0: Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by Executive Pastor Chris Valdez. Before I get into the message, I just want to take a second to introduce my parents. Uh, Raul and Becky Valdez are with us this morning. Uh, if you haven't met them yet or not, you can introduce them. They're visiting from the Panhandle. and uh, just happy to have them here with the family and the grandkids and everything. Um, well, this morning and for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about prayer, uh, but before we just jump right into the message, I know that one of the things that we like to look for in messages is, is practical advice, things that we can you know, put to use immediately. So I thought it 'd be a good idea to start this morning off with some some practical advice that you can literally put, together, to, put to use today, um, and it 's regarding the confusing topic of mealtime prayer it 's so confusing when, when do you pray? What do you pray? How do you pray? Who's supposed to pray when there's a group? Um, These are just some of the many questions that surround mealtime prayer. And so this morning I'm going to go over about three things. And then as the weeks go on, I'll I'll give you some more so that you'll be fully covered when it comes to mealtime prayer. So first of all, we're going to start with chips and salsa what do you do with chips and salsa? Sometimes, sometimes you don't even order it. It's already at the table before you even get there. Um, So I just want to put your consciences at ease. You don't have to feel guilty about eating the chips and salsa before you pray. It's okay. Um, The next thing, and this one's really tricky, is appetizers. When do you pray for appetizers? Is yes, no. What do we do here? Well, here's the official rule. There's no prayer required for an appetizer if you have an entree coming. If you don't have an entree coming, then yes, you need to to bless that appetizer. And then last but not least, this is one of the most confusing items when it comes to mealtime prayer, salads. What do you do with a salad? Uh, It's kind of like... Uh, an appetizer if it's a side salad uh there's there's no need to pray again if it comes out before the meal if it's coming out with the other dishes then yeah you need to hold on and don't eat until everything has been blessed and you can remember this simple rule for salads if it requires dressing it doesn't need a blessing <laughs> so i hope i hope these practical words of wisdom help you out this morning and lessen your mealtime prayer anxiety and like i said we'll hit some more as we move through this series and and I'll just point out, th- these are jokes, by the way. Um, I had somebody approach me after the service and said, I think you need to pray for chips and salsa, too. And I said, you're I said, you are welcome to pray for anything and everything, anytime you feel the need. So so you don't have to take this advice. <laughs> it's meant in jest. well, turn your Bibles with me this morning to Luke chapter 18, verse one. We're going to be looking at a parable that Jesus shared on prayer. The scriptures will be on the screen as well. If you don't have your Bible up this morning, it says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him. And saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps coming, I will give her justice. There's two general principles in this parable that I want to touch on today and next Sunday. And by the way, there's much more that you could glean from this parable. But there are the two things that we're going to be focusing on. The first is pray and we won't lose heart. And that's where the title of this morning's message comes from. Stay encouraged. We can stay encouraged if we stay in prayer, in communion, in conversation, in relationship with God. That is what prayer is. It's talking to God. Conversations with Him, being in communion with Him, and having an ongoing daily relationship with Him. The second principle that we'll look at next week is there are three parties to prayer. We usually and commonly think of two there's God, represented in this parable by the judge. And then there's each of us represented uh, by us as we're either praying for something for ourselves or something for others. And then the third is the enemy, the adversary, the devil. And that's that's represented in the story by the adversary. But this morning, let's jump uh, into the first principle, and that is pray and we won't lose heart. Look again with me at verse one. He, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. There's a well-known scripture in the Bible uh, that came to my mind because two items uh, in this first, first verse jump out to me. The first is we should always pray, and the second is if we pray, we won't lose heart. Many of you may be familiar with the scripture found in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It's, it's one of the easiest verses in the Bible to memorize, and it encourages us to pray without ceasing. So you memorize those three words, and you've, you've got a verse of the Bible memorized. But if that's still too hard for you, there's versions of the Bible that uh, just say, pray continually. So you can remember those two words, and you'll, you'll have that verse memorized and in your heart. And that is similar to what Jesus is saying in verse one of Matthew 18, that we should always pray. And then in verse three, within the parable, he says there was a widow in that city who kept coming. And then in verse four tells us for a while he, the judge, refused her request. He refused her request, although she kept coming, but she didn't let that stop her. She continued to come even after his refusal. How many times and how often do we immediately give up after being refused, after facing a setback or after running into resistance? We immediately tell ourselves, well, it must not have been meant to be. This must not be God's will because it didn't work out the way that I thought it was going to immediately. So we should probably quit. I should probably give up. But that's not what Jesus is encouraging here. He's saying that resistance is not always an indicator that we should quit or give up. It often is just a chance for us to be persistent. So the widow just kept coming back to the judge. She was persistent. She came continually. Remember this whole prayer that Jesus is this whole parable that Jesus is talking about is about prayer. So Jesus is reiterating his first point. We need to always be praying, always coming before God in prayer, never quitting, never giving up. And. I want to take a, a moment just to share a personal testimony with you regarding prayer. I read this scripture uh, even as a child, about praying continually, and I think it was probably somewhere in my teenage years that I read that scripture, and I just thought, "That's impossible. We can't pray continually. We can't pray without ceasing. We can't pray all the time. That's not possible. And I really kind of left it at that. I mean, I, I continued uh, to seek after God. I continued to follow God. I continued to try to have a relationship with Him. But, you know, in my mind, that was just one of those things that, how is that possible? As you know, we have Jesus Christ in us and the Holy Spirit with us. And He is continually at work. He's transforming us from the inside out. It's an inside job that only He can do, only He can accomplish, only He uh, can can, uh, bring us to maturity. And that work is constantly uh, going on if we have Christ in our hearts and in our lives. And so as I just went through life, it occurred to me one day that I was praying throughout the day. I was having a conversation with God all the time. It was kind of like breathing. If you think about it right now, are you telling yourself right now, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. And if you and if you lost your concentration, you might start gasping and and may lose your life because you're not telling yourself to breathe. No, it's just something that's natural. It's something that happens. And have you ever caught yourself breathing? Like, and then you start thinking about it and you're like, you know, you might you might start to panic. It's like, OK, now I got to I got to concentrate on this. you know. And until you can get it out of your mind and not not concentrate on breathing, you know, then then it almost becomes a problem if you concentrate on it. And that's what I found, that I found myself just throughout the day in situations saying, Lord, I can't offer comfort to this person. I can't do anything in their life. I need you here right now in this moment. To give wisdom to me to show your presence to this person. I'm driving in the car and I just say, Lord, thank you for my wife. Thank you for Abby and Allison. Thank you for all the blessings that you've given us. You are so good. And I could go on and on and on and on with the examples. And it was something that I didn't even really know was happening. And one day it's like, oh, this is prayer. I'm talking to God. And there's not always a a verbal answer. There's not always a response from from him that I hear or feel in my heart. But often there is. And I get a word of encouragement. I hear his voice and I hear his response. And often it's just me lifting up my current concern in the current moment. And every once in a while, I catch myself. And I realize, just like I'm breathing, I'm talking to God. And I realized through his work, This is not something that I decided one day that I'm going to concentrate on it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to make myself pray continually. I'm going to try to think about God every moment of every day. And I'm going to make this happen by. No, he did a work inside transforming daily in my life to the point that I just catch myself breathing. I catch myself praying because he's doing a work inside that only he can do. Only He can do that work. Only He can change our lives. Only He can transform us. Only He can take people who are dead and bring them to life. He's the only one. And He does it and He's willing to do it in all of us. And He wants us to pray continually, to be in constant conversation and communion with Him. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning the second part of this verse says don't lose heart. Always pray and don't lose heart. And I can honestly tell you this morning that the more and more that my prayer life has turned into a constant conversation with the Father, the less and less I lose heart. I could go back five or seven years when I was focusing on like... Uh, talk radio and and the news and all the things that were going on in the world. And I was taking my eyes and my focus off of God, off of the father and putting them on circumstances and things that were going on all around and fear crept in. And it seems like we're losing, we're losing the battle. It doesn't look maybe God's not in control. How could all this stuff be going on if God's in control? But I was putting my eyes and my time and my thoughts on all the circumstances. But the more and more that I stopped doing that and putting them on him, I stopped losing heart. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't ever happen anymore, that I don't take my eyes off for a moment. And we're gonna, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. But as long as I keep my eyes and my heart on him, I don't lose heart. I know that God's seated on the throne, that He's put every authority, whether we look at them as good or bad, whether it's a dictator in a foreign country, if you don't even have to look at current events, look to the Bible some, for some horrific people who were in leadership, but God put them there for His reason, for His purpose, that's far beyond our capacity to understand. We can't look at things and decide if it's good or bad, Only God can. And He does. He's at work. And if we put our focus and our hope and our trust and we're in constant communication with him, we know that's the truth. And then we don't lose heart. We literally can't get discouraged. It's impossible to get discouraged or lose hope if you are looking to the father and if you're in a constant conversation with him. One thing that stood out to me in this parable that I hadn't looked at this way before is that the opposite is true. We will lose heart if we don't pray. That's a promise. You will lose heart if you don't pray. If we are not in a relationship with God, a conversation with Him, a.k.a. prayer, we will lose heart. We can count on it. Other translations read, don't faint, don't give up. So again, if we aren't in prayer, prayer, we will grow faint. We will give up. And this is such an important point that I want to illustrate how serious it is and how quickly that it can happen. We can go from a mountaintop experience with God to the depths of a valley in a moment. We can be at the closest point we've ever been to him. But if we take our eyes off of him, if we stop communicating with him, we can be in the depths of a valley in the next moment. Before we go into that, I want to share a a word that I felt I got during worship. And I feel like it was a prophetic word that God just spoke. And he said, the miraculous does not sustain. Only my presence does. The miraculous will not sustain us. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to do the miraculous. To the contrary, I believe what he said is, I'm going to do miraculous signs in this generation we're going to see God working in miraculous ways that we have not seen. But what he's telling us right now is that will not sustain you. You can go from a miraculous encounter with God to the depths of despair and fear in a moment if you take your eyes off of him. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning in 1 Kings chapter 18. You can turn there right now, but while you turn there, I'm going to. Uh, give you a little overview of what's going on. This is a story uh, that's recounted in first Kings 17 through 19. And this week, if you have time, you could take uh, a moment to read that all three of those chapters, but I'll give you an overview and then we're going to look at a specific passage. We find this account that starts with Elijah, the prophet proclaiming a three year, actually a little longer than a three year drought in the land of Israel. Not only does he proclaim it, he, God tells him to pray for it. So through Elijah's prayer, God sends a three-year drought on Israel. And then we're picking up in chapter 18 when the drought is almost over. God has spoken to Elijah and said, it's time for the drought to end. It's about time for you to pray and release the waters from the heavens. And so Elijah goes, uh, sends word to King Ahab and says, Call all the false prophets of Baal together and Asherah and tell them to meet at Mount Carmel. And Ahab follows the directions and does what he's told. So all the people and all the false prophets uh, who were, the Bible literally says they ate at the table of Jezebel, who was Ahab's wife. Um, so they they all come and all the people come and Elijah has them set up two altars, and he tells he tells all the, the false prophets and all the people, he puts a challenge out, and he says, we're going to have a challenge here. We're going to put two altars up, and you call out to Baal, and I'm going to call out to God, and whichever one, whichever uh, sacrifice God burns up with fire, that's the one true God. And the people thought this was a fantastic idea. They're like, we want to see this. So they, the Bible literally says they were like, yeah, let's, let's do this. And, and the prophets of Baal agreed. And so Elijah is kind enough to let them go first. And so the Bible says that they cry out from morning to midday to Baal, asking him to burn up, uh, their offering, but but no answer is found. No, no fire from heaven comes. And and if you read the whole story, you'll see that Elijah actually pokes a little fun at them, and jokes with them and, and tries to uh, encourage them to do other tactics to get their God to hear. But but nothing works. And finally, uh, they give up. And Elijah says, OK, enough's enough. It's it's my turn. But before he prays to God, he says, dig, dig some trenches around. ...around my sacrifice to God. And so they do. And they said, okay, start pouring water over the sacrifice and the wood. Uh, And so they start pouring water over it. And they do so until the trenches are full of water. And it's at this point that Elijah prays to the Lord. And we'll look at 1 Kings 18, verse 36. Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word answer me o lord answer me that this people may know that you o lord are god and that you have turned their hearts back then the fire of the lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in it and said and when all the people saw it they fell on their faces And said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. After this, Elijah had uh, all the people. He told them to seize the prophets of Baal and to not let any escape. And he himself puts them all to death. Which was actually a law in the Old Testament that a false prophet, uh, the, the penalty for being a false prophet was to be killed. He then prays to God to end the over three-year drought, and God answers the prayer by sending torrential rains. Now, I want us to take a quick look at what Elijah said in verse 36. He said, I have done all these things at your word. Elijah was hearing the word of the Lord. Elijah was following God. He was listening uh, to what he was saying. He was talking back to him, and he was obedient uh, to everything that he said. And God answered in miraculous ways uh, to his prayers. He'd held the rain back for over three years. He sent fire from heaven. As, as I was preparing this message this week, I drove to uh, Killeen one day and was just looking at the hills and the sky and the clouds and was just thinking, what would it have been like To see fire come down from heaven and burn up a sacrifice and the wood and not just the wood, the stones, it says, that disintegrated and the dust and all the water and just totally disintegrated. And how you would have been able to see that for miles and miles and miles around. And they would have said, you know, what? (laughs) What was that? And of course, the people who are present, it says immediately they fell down and said, the Lord, he is God. So God did these miraculous, amazing things through Elijah. Some of the most spectacular miracles that are recorded in the Bible. This is right up there with with God parting the, the Red Sea for Moses or Jesus walking on water. He sent fire from heaven to burn the sacrifice. But look what happens next in 1 Kings 19 verse 2. When Jezebel hears of all that had happened and all that, that all her prophets are dead, she sends a messenger to Elijah. And here's what the message said. So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. She basically just said, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. You're like one of those prophets. You're a dead man. And what's Elijah's response? In 1 Kings 19.3, it says, Then Elijah was afraid. Elijah was afraid. And he arose and he ran for his life. Elijah lost heart. After hearing the voice of God, after fire coming down from heaven in answer to his prayer, after killing the prophets of Baal, after God ending a three-year drought from his prayer, he lost heart. After all these things, this one word from Jezebel sends Elijah into a panic and fear, running for his life. Not by the word of the Lord, but out of fear. Because he lost heart. And Elijah doesn't just run and hide. No. The Bible tells us he ran away for 40 days. To Mount Horeb. Which they believe was Mount Sinai. Where Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments. And we don't know the exact locations of of where he was. But it kind of says what part of the country he was. And then we kind of estimate where Mount Sinai was. Uh, But they estimate that it was approximately 260 miles. So Elijah goes 260 miles on foot out of fear, not by the word of the Lord, but on his own. And when he finally gets to Mount Sinai and gets settled in, then he hears the word of the Lord. After 40 days of running away, after 40 days of fearing for his life, he, he hears the word of God. And you can read it on your own in First Kings nineteen nine. But here's what God, dis- God says to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? It's literally the words. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? The clear answer to the question is God telling Elijah... I didn't tell you to run. I didn't send you here. Why are you afraid? Don't you remember all the things that I've done? Who should you fear, Jezebel or me? What are you doing here? This is a question that we should all ask ourselves when we find ourselves faint in heart. When we have lost heart. When we find ourselves discouraged. What? am I doing here? Why did I stop talking to God? Why did I look away? Why did I run? Well, Elijah bounces back again and he regains his heart after speaking to the Lord again. When he turns his eyes back to him, when he speaks to him in prayer, Elijah is reminded that it is God alone who's in control. Not only of his life, but of everything. Don't lose heart. Always pray. Pray without ceasing. Stay in communication with the Father. I want to share one more example of this with you quickly with one more story that you may also be familiar with. It's This one won't be on the screen. It's Luke chapter 14, verse 25. And if you have your Bible, you can turn there. But in Luke fourteen twenty-five, we read that in the fourth watch of the night, He, and it's speaking about Jesus, came to them and he's walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart. It's I. Don't be afraid. And Peter answers Jesus and he says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind and the waves and he took his eyes off Jesus, he was afraid and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out and pulled him Back up. And it says he tells them, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And there's two things I want us to take note of in this passage. First, just like Elijah, as soon as Peter took his eyes off Jesus and put them on the circumstances, he lost heart. And he began to sink. And the second thing is that Peter was talking to Jesus. This was a conversation on the water. Part of his relationship with Jesus, part of his communion with Jesus. And I've been using all these different words to describe this conversation because that's what prayer is. It's a conversation with God. And what I realized when looking at this passage is that Peter and the rest of the disciples and the Pharisees and anyone and everyone that ever had an encounter with Jesus and spoke to him were praying to God. The word says that uh, Jesus says, uh, I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was the Son of God. And so these conversations that they had were prayers to God. And that's what our prayers are. They're conversations with God. It's as much as if we were having a conversation with Jesus, just like the disciples did. He's here. He's in us. If you've made him the Lord of your life, it says he's in you and we're in him. We can talk to him and he'll talk to us. He'll speak to us. We can hear his voice and we can have a conversation with him. And Peter had this conversation with Jesus on the water. And that's how easy it is. Think about this. He was physically with the Son of God on the water. Jesus is right there. Present physically the son of God and he's having a conversation with him and he was the one that offered to get out on the water and Jesus said come and he's standing there and as long as his focus as long as his conversation was with Christ he was on top of the water but in a moment he took his eyes off of Christ and put it on the waves and the wind and he began to sink And then he got scared and cried out. And Jesus was like, I'm here. I'm with you. I didn't leave. He never left him. He never forsake him. He never disappeared. He was always right there. And the same was true for Elijah. And the same is true for us. When we take off, take our eyes off of him, he's not going anywhere. He's still there. He's still in control. He's still on the throne. He's still God. God. He hasn't left us or forsaken us, but we took our eyes off Him. And Elijah, after calling fire from heaven, God answered his prayer. He stopped the the rain coming for three years off of his prayer. The rain came back off of his prayer. And this man of God And this Peter, this man of God that Jesus called the rock on whom I'll build my church, that man of God took his eyes off Jesus. And Elijah, that man of God, took his eyes off Jesus. So if you've taken your eyes off Jesus and lost hope, you're in good company. I've done it. I still do it. And I'm in good company. And in a moment... The way they lost their faith, the way they lost their hope, the way they lost their confidence, the way they lost everything and started sinking and ran away. As easy as it was to look away, all they had to do was look back. And Jesus says, come back. I'm still here. We can pick up the conversation right where we left off. I didn't go anywhere and he talks to us just like he talked to Elijah. Why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you sitting in depression? Why you, have you lost heart? Why have you lost hope? Why have you lost your confidence? Why are you in despair? Why have you given up on your marriage? Why do you think your kids aren't coming back to the Lord? Why have you given up? Why are you here? Why do we go there? And the answer is the same. Because I took my eyes off you, Lord. I stopped talking to you a moment, Elijah went from a mountaintop experience to the depth of the valley in fear in a moment because he took his eyes off the Lord. Peter went from standing on water to sinking because he took his eyes off the Lord in the presence of the Son of God. So we find ourselves in good company. But if that's where you find yourself this morning, in some place that you're saying, how did I get here? Why am I here? You can turn to Him. You can have a conversation with God. A continual, constant, never-ending conversation with God. And as long as we're having that conversation... You will not lose hope. You will not get discouraged. And if you do, turn back. He's still there. He didn't go anywhere. We can always turn back. The enemy wants to interrupt our communication with God. He wants to interrupt our conversation. He wants to interrupt our prayer. He wants... To take our eyes off of the Lord and put it on the circumstances. Put it on the things that are going on around us. And if he's successful at that, we will lose heart. We will run away. We will sink. We'll grow faint. We'll lose heart. But let's not let him do that. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's have a conversation with the Father. And stay in relationship with him. And if we do, we can't be discouraged. We can't fall away from him. So remember Luke 18.1 as Jesus instructed. Always pray and don't lose heart. Turn it into a promise. If I am praying, I will not lose heart. As we close this morning, I want to leave with you a few more encouraging scriptures on prayer. These aren't up on the screen, but... You can write them down. Uh, the first is James 5.13. It says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Romans 12.12 12, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Philippians 4, six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. In Colossians four two, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Pray. If you find yourself in a place this morning wondering what am I doing here, pray. Our courage is in the Lord. Our hopes in the Lord. We can count on them. He's never left or forsaken us. He's never stepped down from the throne. One thing I love to say, uh, Scripture doesn't ever record God standing. Every scripture that refers to God, He's seated on the throne. And uh, that even goes for when Satan rebelled and fell from heaven. So here was an angel who was in the presence of God, saw God, And at some point thought, I think I can take him. I think I can lift myself above him. No, he'd never seen him move, (laughs) for all we know, for, for what scripture says. And the Bible tells us that Satan and a third of the angels fell like lightning from heaven. God didn't stand, he didn't lift a finger to battle. He didn't say, oh, man, hey, everybody on my side, get, you know, grab your weapons. We're going to have We got a fight on our hands. He didn't even stand. Satan was as gone as quick as he had the thought. That's who we serve. That's the God who we serve. And we can look around at our circumstances in this world and see all the things happening and say, is he really in control? Does he really have all this handled? And the answer is yes. His thoughts, his ways, his plans are so far above ours, we can't even comprehend it. But what we can comprehend is that he says, if you stay in communion with me, if you stay in relationship with me, you will not lose hope. You will not lose courage. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you all glory and all praise and all honor because you are the only one who deserves it. Father, I just pray for everyone present this morning, Lord, and those who listen later. Father, I pray if they find themselves in a place that they've lost heart, that they're wondering, how did I get here? that they would turn their eyes back to You, that they would turn their conversation back to You and seek You in prayer, that they would never lose hope again, that they would never lose their confidence again. And if we do, that we immediately turn back to You, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.